0: Welcome to Two Guys in the Bible, a conversation on theology, culture, and the Word of God. My name is Eric Leupold. I'm joined, as always, by my friend and brother in the Lord, Dylan Keniston. Good morning, Dylan. How are you?
1: morning, Eric. I'm doing well this unseasonably warm morning. How are you doing, brother? I know. It's like 60 degrees out I know, right? In January. In January, no less.
0: Yeah, I guess we'll have to do an episode on global warming <laughs> at some point. We'll tackle that animal. But um, <clears throat> I want to also say welcome to all of you, our listeners, uh, just a quick uh, administrative item. Uh, We have recently joined a group of Christian podcasts called the Christian Podcast Community. So uh, we're really excited about this, uh, to just partner up with some uh, other good Christian podcasts, podcasts such as The Rap Report and Theology Gals and a couple others out there. And if you want to look at some of the other podcasts that we are partnered with, just go to podcasts.strivingforeternity.com o r g And there you can look at all the dozen or so different podcasts that are available. So, yeah, we're part of a team now, and uh, I guess that's a, that's a good sign. You know, things are on the up and up, and uh, it's all partly due to, uh, to you, our listeners, and, and the support that you give us. So we really do appreciate that. And if you wish to give us uh, more support, uh, please check out our website, twoguysinthebible.org, And uh, it's kind of a new website, too, because it's associated with the uh, Christian podcast community. So a little fancier, a little nicer, and a little bit more features there. So check that out, please. Now, with that, though, we're going to dive into a topic today on evangelism, sharing the good news, sharing the gospel. And kind of what uh, led us to want to talk about this topic, I was checking out some of the news articles recently, and I shared this with Dylan, and it was back in, um, around Christmas last year, 2019, so mm-hmm. just maybe about three, four weeks ago. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's an article from uh, LifeSite News about uh, Pope Francis and some of the things he said. Now, I'm not trying to say whether or not he was speaking, you know, as the infallible Pope in this regard, but some of his, some of his phrases were concerning. Uh, and the article quotes him as saying, he was speaking to um, a few high school students in Rome, and he was saying basically that uh, speech should never be used to convince non-believers of the truth of the Catholic faith. So he said also things like, um, uh, with a non-believer, the last thing I have to do is to try to convince him. Never. The last thing I have to do is talk. I have to live in accordance with my faith. And that's a quote from, uh, from the Pope himself. And then, even later on, he says, I have to live in accordance with my faith, and it will be my testimony that will awaken the curiosity of the other who says, but why do you do this? Um, and then later on, uh, he says that uh, uh, it would be inappropriate for a, uh, a Catholic to try to convert a Muslim to Christianity, as it would be for a German to try to convince a Frenchman to repudiate his nationality and become German. And, you know, so there's a few... Phrases in there that uh, uh, were interesting and that I wanted to talk about, and and it's not really just the Pope per se, but there's other common phrases uh, that we've heard in Christian sor- in Christian circles. Uh, uh, one uh, pretty well known one is the uh, what is that uh, that special phrase that uh, I believe it's it's attributed to Saint Francis of Assisi. It's uh, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words right so i guess uh this is you know what is going to kick off our conversation today dylan about what is evangelism what is the role of speech in evangelism how do we even begin to unpack or tackle uh the topic of well how do christians share their faith is it by their works and their behavior or by their words what would you say to begin on that topic
1: yeah, well, so I, I would say to begin, evangelism, you know, broadly understood is the proclamation of the good news, to, to preach the good news, to share the good news with uh, non believers in the hopes that they would, you know, the Lord would have mercy on them, that they would repent, the spirit would regenerate. Them and enable them to latch hold of the gospel by grace through faith. Um, you know why we do that? God says to uh, is kind of the is kind of the short answer. Um, and and it's part and parcel of an entire biblical theology of missions, right? You know, kind of God going after his his lost people, um, and a and just a tremendous part of that is speech. Um, and so there's there's so much you know kind of going on here. It's it's a little bit. It's not to say that. Evangelism, evangelism is not well paired with good deeds. I mean, it certainly, it certainly is. Like if you have, if you have good deeds, it, it, let's say if you don't have good deeds and you're sharing the gospel, it can be seen as a, I don't know, a power play. You're just trying to mm-hmm. increase your tribe. Uh, you know, it's it's not as persuasive, right? So certainly good deeds uh, can can increase the persuasiveness of the speech. And you know, it kind of sounds like Matthew 5, uh, 14 to 16, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the, all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So clearly there is a there is a connection that Jesus is making between good works and the reinforcement of the glory that God receives from unbelievers. Uh, you know when they when they are um, persuaded of who who God is in Christ. <coughs> mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> this is you know just to some of what um, what Francis was saying uh, it strikes me as as m- muddy thinking uh, at mm-hmm. best. So I guess you know, we'll start there. And then, you know, when it comes to kind of preach the gospel and if necessary use words, you know, I think it's well-intentioned similarly, um, just super misleading. And I think it's often attributed to St. Francis. I don't know that there's, yeah, any, I don't even know if it is. I don't know if there's any, like any evidence that he actually said it. So I, you know, I was looking this up. It's hard to say. Yeah. So, so the closest thing that I think we have to this is a teaching of the Franciscan order when their rule book, so their rule book was about preaching, right, mm-hmm. for the Franciscan order. And it said in that rule book, all the friars should preach by their deeds. Okay, but this was in the context of a rule book about preaching, about verbal proclamation of the word. So mm-hmm. like, so the broader teaching clarifies that quote's intent, which was, you know, make sure your deeds match your words. The point is not, don't use words unless you have to.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, so. I was also going to say that... If we just get to the root of the matter first like when we talk about evangelism i mean that english word is derived from a greek word mm-hmm. i believe it's uh if, you know, correct me if i'm wrong pronounced uh un gullion mm-hmm. which is um good news essentially so a good message or good news or something yeah, to word that word. effect yeah. and so at its core the gospel itself gospel also means good news it is good news so what does that mean well it's good Okay, so that means that there was some anticipation, some anxiety, something bad was happening, or something was um, uh, up in the air, so to speak. Uh, you think of, you think of uh, heralds that are returning from a battle, you know, that the people are eagerly awaiting the news. Did we win or did we lose, right? And they're just their eyes are watching the horizon for the runner, the messenger, to come and to bring... Good tidings of great joy that there has been victory. The king has won, and he's coming back uh, for a great uh, procession and triumph, and entering into his into his kingdom or into his city. Um, but that's that's the kind of idea here that there's some there's bad news, like there's a war being fought, and you know we have enemies and we are in danger. But the good news is that someone uh, has achieved victory, and namely uh, in the realm of salvation. You know, Christ has achieved the victory over death and over sin, over Satan. And so there's there's good news about that. And, of course, it ties into as well, you know, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. We have debt that we can never pay. And the good news is that that uh, provision has been made in Christ, right? So, and then it's also, it's actually news. You know, it's not fake news or propaganda. Um, it's not a sales pitch, right? It's actually based on facts, you know, as, as Paul says, if if Christ is not risen, then we, are, of all people, are to be pitied. You know, First Corinthians 15, he talks about if the resurrection didn't happen, essentially we're wasting our time as Christians. We should be doing something else. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow uh, we die. So, it's news, Like right? So, in a way, those who are preaching the good news, they're talking about an event that happened in, in history that's good. We're... Going around telling people as heralds, hey, the king is one. Jesus is Lord, uh, bow the knee in submission to him, and you will be forgiven of your sins. You can have fellowship. You can be a citizen of the kingdom and not treat it as a, as a rebel. Like that, that's, that's I think that's kind of the bare bones, like what the gospel good news is. And so it necessarily involves words, uh, speech, and proclamation about something that happened. Uh, thoughts on that? On that, Dylan.
1: Well, yeah, no, I think I think that's absolutely right. You know, fundamentally, good news is news is not something you do, right? (laughs) It's true. News is something you announce. It's something you say. It's good news worth spreading. So, and and so, uh, Dwayne Lifton had been the the president of Wheaton College for a time, and you know he made this same point. He said, "Look, the gospel is inherently verbal. So Mm -hmm. preaching." the gospel is an inherently verbal behavior. And, you know Paul makes the same point in Romans 10, uh, mm. 14 to 15. He says, how can they call on him in whom they haven't believed? How can they believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how can they uh, how can they hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless someone is sent? So as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So, you know, cl- you know, even Paul here is making this connection between verbal proclamation and um, and and belief, you know, even unto salvation.
0: Yeah, so as, and, and I like that Roman. i think that Romans 10 passage is key for our discussion today because Paul puts this chain together, right? So he begins with—well, um, first of all, he, he begins uh, early in Romans 10 about there's no distinction between Jew and Greek or, or Gentile. You know, God is God of all, right? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a wonderful verse that we've—that many of us have heard about. You know, it's a nice coffee cup verse, Um but then the next verse, you know, uh, Romans ten fourteen, like you said, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Okay, so how will they? And how are they to believe in the person of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So basically, there, there needs to be believing, but the believing doesn't happen unless they hear something. But the hearing doesn't happen unless someone preaches to them. And then he ends by saying, um, how are they to hear, I mean, how are they to preach unless someone is sent? So, preaching, but who's going to preach unless they're sent by the church or, you know, out into the world to, to share the gospel? So, that seems to be the, the general pattern of how, you know, if you ask the question, how is God building his church in the world? Romans 10 is kind of like the blueprint, like this is, generally speaking, how it happens. Uh, people are sent. People preach. People hear. People believe, and then they're saved. That's it. So I mean, it is inherently verbal. Um, there, it has to. It has to be. There has to be some kind of message there.
1: And um, I don't think that that I don't think that that's to deny that that proclamation is not reinforced by deeds. It's simply to say that the proclamation itself is finally rooted in words like and in my mind that's that's no small point right we worship the one who is himself the yeah. word incarnate like language itself is a divine gift and i think you know that that can get lost in some of these conversations sometimes you know words matter words have meaning words have power and that's why scripture has so much to say about our speech and how we use our speech and the dangers of the tongue and the importance of cleanness of our speech mm. you know the word the truth the message of god's glory the glorious gospel of salvation in christ that heavenly content and it is content forms the foundation and then you know that f- from that foundation must come good deeds yes that's true but 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 the foundation of it still yeah. is content to yeah. be believed, proclaimed and and believed
0: yeah well then the question it comes down to is like so like that that phrase that's attributed to saint francis um what about our works like is there a like in, in evangelism and in sharing the gospel what is the what role does our good works play because someone might say well are you suggesting that you just talk to the person and you just preach at them and that's really all you have to do and there's really nothing more to it um, what about your behavior what about your works
1: well i think that i think that in the same way that disobedience can compromise one's witness mm-hmm. i think that obedience can reinforce one's witness so for example yeah flesh that out yeah well so i think for example if um let's say someone is is living in blatant public sin and yet goes on evangelizing um you know that that's certainly that that activity that behavior uh even in many cases in the eyes of the watching world will compromise their witness it will undermine the the goodness of the message that mm-hmm. is being proclaimed. And quite frankly, it undermines Christ's glory. You don't want to rob God of glory by publicly tr- by publicly sinning, you know, wantonly sinning and then just trying to win people over to that view, that position because what you can unwittingly win people to is a mindset that says, "Okay, yeah, I can I can believe the gospel, I can, you know, give myself over to Christ and still continue leading this oh, life of sin, right? So disobedience yeah. can compromise the witness uh, of of someone who's sharing the gospel. I think the reverse is also true, right? If someone is obeying Christ's lordship and submitting their lives to him in a way that is, that is publicly seen as grand and glorious and, and gratifying, even in the life of the believer. And it's just you, you taste and you see that Christ is good. And then you're sharing that goodness. Mm. You say, I don't want you to miss out on this, right? This is, a look how good God is. And and that manifests itself in one's own life. You know, deeds can, you know, now that will manifest itself in good deeds, right? And what do the deeds do to your question? You know, deeds can encourage, they can inspire, they can cause others to take you seriously. They can communicate love and affection, um, but all that to say, you know, a lot of people can do that. Uh, you know, a, a Muslim can do, a Muslim can encourage, a Muslim can inspire mm. others and can cause others to take them seriously. At the end of the day, if there's no gospel, there's no real preaching. The gospel at the end of the day is not a deed, but I do think that the deed reinforces the witness of the one proclaiming.
0: Mm, that's, that's good. I mean, I think that's, uh. That's, that's really important to, to, to highlight. And I hadn't thought about what you said earlier regarding if you have um, disobedience, it can do two things. It could make the person just very hostile to anything you have to say. You're a hypocrite. Or, right. like you said, it can attract people who want to live in sin anyways, and they can just give mental mental assent to Jesus. But he doesn't have to be Lord over their lives. They don't actually have to change their behavior because they see, well, you don't change your behavior, and right. you're preaching this message that sounds good to that sounds good to me. Yeah. So I, I can see that there, and of course, like you said, um, a lot of different groups do good works: so Mormons, uh, Muslims, Jehovah's Witnesses. I mean, that doesn't, but that's not the gospel, right? There's there's um, you know, The actions um, uh, are can be good in in some sense, um, al- although one might argue that. Uh, you know, apart from Christ, no actions are really good. Uh, you know, because we're all—it's all done out of sin, uh, unless we're doing it out of faith. You know, everything that does not come from faith is—is is sin, right? So, is there really any such thing as a good work if it's not done in the name of Christ? Right. Um, there, <clears throat> but no, I think that's as of when I always try to think of it as well—that um, uh, the, the actions, your actions, uh, should help to initiate conversations hmm. right so i think of first peter 315 which is a common verse that's used for evangelism or, or apologetics giving a defense of the faith and in, in fact uh that's where that word apologetics comes from the the apologia of of giving a defense for the faith but so here's what first peter 315 says but in your hearts honor christ the lord is holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. Excuse me. So, what I see here, though, is that your actions, your behavior, your lifestyle uh, should be such that, that people might come to you and ask you, what is the reason for the hope that you have in you? Now, your actions are not the gospel in, in this case yet. The gospel has actually not been shared yet. They're just coming to you asking, "You've changed. Something's different about you. Like you 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 know you don't get you know, uh, you know just you know taken you know into sin. Like you're not falling into sin. When bad things happen to you, you're staying pretty steady and pretty firm. Uh, you're not you have this hope in you, not despair. Why? Where is that coming from? And then." That's the door that gives you the opportunity to share the gospel, to evangelize. So the gospel itself remains a message of words. Your behavior, your lifestyle just opened the door to allow that to happen. But it itself is not the gospel. Is hmm. that that is that is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think so. And I so so I think
1: that there's an analogous point to kind of, you know, what you were just saying with our impetus for evangelism you know a lot of times we can be you know christians can at times be guilted into evangelism uh by this this weight of you know we we want to save people from hell now now i'm not disparaging oh, like that.
0: hasty like we got to be quick
1: well no not not hasty but just that the the drive behind evangelism is to save people from hell oh, yeah. and I'm, and i'm not disparaging that certainly we do want to you know part of what it means to love others made in god's image is to desire that they would be saved from hell there is mm-hmm. no question about that um, but i think i think if that if that is the primary driver of why we evangelize why we share the gospel i think it can we can fatigue from it right i think i think the so, so it's kind of analogous to a uh, point about from from Jonathan Edwards, right? So uh, this, you know, Edwards says, you know, the core of the Christian identity boils down to, he said, don't, don't first think God loves me and then think how lovely he is, right? Edwards says, flip the order. Think how lovely God is and how glorious Christ is and how worthy he is and how excellent he mm-hmm. is. And then you'll be much more apt to grow in his love for you. So... So similarly, right, if we if we really want to kindle a passion as Christians internally, deep down in our guts, you know, you really want to kindle a passion for evangelism, then make glorifying God and chasing after God your priority because the, that pursuit overflows into the rest of our lives and our thoughts and our speech and our pursuits and evangelism can be a kind of natural outgrowth of that pursuit. So you know, and, and again, that's not to disparage. You want to save people from hell. We do want to save people from hell. That's important. We absolutely want to do that because we love them. But our love for people is most fully expressed in our love for God, hmm. right? So that's why I, I think it's kind of like the, similar to the old adage, you know, shoot for the stars, land in the clouds, shoot for the clouds, land on the ground, right? You You shoot <laughs> higher than your aim and you'll get that aim. But, you know, in my mind, that's that's not that different from what Jesus says in Matthew 6, right? You know, don't worry first about food or drink or clothes. Seek first the kingdom and his, right, his kingdom and his mm-hmm. righteousness, and these will be added to you. And, you know, we want to be careful here because, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't, I never want to pit love of neighbor against love of God. You want to keep them together. You synthesize them by putting each in its proper place, one as foundation and one as outgrowth, right? It's kind of like, you know, people warning against, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Well, yeah. I mean,
0: I... I think I you can't be earthly good yeah. unless you are heavenly minded. Well, exactly.
1: Like, I don't see too much danger of that, right? And a lot yeah. of times the the much bigger risk is that we're so earthly minded, we're good for neither, right? Mm. So if you're truly heavenly minded, right, in the best sense, if, you're truly ha- if you truly have as your foundation for evangelism, love of God, right, and the desire to see God glorified among all creation... Then you'll be good for both heaven and earth. You'll you'll feed you will feed the poor. You will care for the sick. You'll yeah. evangelize. Yeah. Why you
0: obey God's law? You, yeah. be, you
1: obey God. Why? Because you love the Lord, and the Lord is the Lord of glory, and you know that He deserves all the praise and worship of every living creature.
0: Hmm. That's that's good, and I imagine though that that this you know I'm sure most of most of our listeners would agree. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, good works opens doors. Um, love of God leads to love of neighbor. Uh, sharing the gospel, but I think there's two there's two questions in my mind. They're kind of like they're kind of related. The first one is this: so is evangelism or should evangelism only ever be uh, a kind of a one-on-one? I become I, I, I become a friend of yours. I I I open doors with my actions and my my works, and then once we have a relationship, uh, a friendship, I can. Then share the gospel with you, or and then is that the only way, uh, legitimately, or is there a place for uh, a kind of non relational public, like public preaching or public street preaching, evangelism, uh, where uh, a person might not even know uh, the preacher, the preacher might have just might just show up uh, one day, uh, and then announcing the gospel in a public place. And there's really never been a, a you know a chance for listeners to see their works or to see their their lifestyle in action, right? Um, is that is there a place for that too? So, you know, I think most people would agree with the idea of making friends and then sharing the gospel with that friend. But a lot of people have a hard time, I think, with uh, open air preaching and public evangelism. You know, the guys passing out tracts outside, the guys street preaching. Um, what are some thoughts about that, that you have in regard, and then also some passages from Scripture that might uh, either be for or against that?
1: Well, uh, I, I don't think that it, it you know, I, I don't think it's it would be widely disputed to say that, you know, certainly having, you know, sh- sharing the gospel and evangelizing in a context where there is relational capital can help, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and it certainly doesn't hurt matters right Mm -hmm. it it really can make a a positive difference um so i i I wouldn't dispute that to say that it's a prerequisite that you you must have that kind of relational backing before you may share the gospel uh, or before it's wise to share the gospel or before you should yeah i mean Look, Jonah didn't have much relational capital with the Ninevites. Uh, <laughs>
0: that's
1: true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's he's just kind of God's God commands him and he goes. So <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, true. that's um,
1: true. You know, and and that's not all that different from you know the Great Commission. Um, yeah. So so that's I, I think that evangelism or or missions broadly, uh, I think is built into the very fabric of what it means to be a Christian, right? So other words, I don't know that it's just like. Um, proof texting here and there, you know, because, you know, the Great Commission, which I just mentioned, you know, is, is a great starting point. Mm-hmm. But the Great Commission isn't just some nice thing kind of tacked on to the end of Matthew's gospel, right? It's 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 a culmination of the of this entire stream of thought throughout Matthew's gospel. So you think about, you know, Matthew 1 beginning with the genealogy yeah. and promises given to David, to Abraham, you know, through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed for Abraham. You know, Paul... Th- thinks that through in Galatians 3.8. And in, in Galatians 3.8, he says, you know, scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. And you've got, you know, Ruth in the genealogy, who's mm. a, a Moabite test, right? The, the law said a Moabite to the 10th generation couldn't join the covenant community in Deuteronomy 23. Mm. But here's Jesus coming from Ruth's line. You get Rahab, you know, Bathsheba, whose husband was another Gentile. You know, and in Matthew uh, 8, you know, many will come from the east and the west uh, and take their place with Abraham Isaac and Jacob the East and the West is Gentile turf you got John the Baptist God can raise up stones uh God can raise up stones as children for Abraham so the gospel isn't just for the Old covenant people uh, the Olivet discourse the gospel much must be preached to the whole world and then the end will come Matthew 24 14. so you see the great Commission culminates all of these themes mm-hmm. and and fundamentally it's to say look making disciples is how the church grows it doesn't grow genetically mm-hmm. right grace doesn't flow through the genes to our kids. So how does God build his church? Preach the gospel. And that's not just Matthew's gospel. It's the entire Bible, right? There's an entire biblical theology of mission. You know, God reaches out to Adam and Eve after the fall. And we just saw the promise to Abraham, you know, Jonah going to the Ninevites and Isaiah 2-2 in 1924. And, you know, all these other passages in scripture that are saying, preach the gospel because Mm -hmm. God is worthy of All the glory. And he deserves to be worshipped by everyone. And by the way, everyone will worship him, either voluntarily or involuntarily, every knee shall bow. Yeah. But you want to do it voluntarily now, believe me.
0: But but Dylan, but Dylan, not everyone has the gift of evangelism. Ah. That's a special spiritual (laughs) gift. So, you know, only certain people need to evangelize, right? Yeah. So, so...
1: (laughs) Well, I'm I'm actually really glad you brought that up because that so that is is one of the things that you know I, I don't get much resistance from Christians uh, when we talk about like evangelism, but when I do get resistance from from Christians, it tends to be on Ephesians 4:11. Okay, um, so yeah. so let's let's park here for just yeah, a few minutes and give me some give me some rope. Um, so the argument is, you know, only some people have this gift of evangelism, and that comes from Ephesians 4:11, which says. And he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. Um, so, so here's this list of offices that God fills in his church as gifts to his people. And the argument goes, you know, not every Christian is an apostle. Not every Christian is a prophet. So also not every Christian is an evangelist. Mm-hmm. Now, in response to that, some Christians argue back, I, I think, maybe less helpfully. They'll say, well... We should understand these offices in the broadest possible terms. So in some sense, every Christian is an apostle. Mm-hmm. Okay, like that's an easy one. Lowercase a, apostle just means messenger. Sure, every Christian is an apostle mm-hmm. in some sense. In some sense, every Christian is a prophet. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, maybe. Depends on the definition, but, you know, let's let's keep it broad. Mm-hmm. But when you get to shepherd and teacher, mm-hmm. those tend to have narrower connotations in scripture. Yeah, like so, pastor, yeah. Right. So it, it's not that you can't expand the semantic range of those words to include every Christian in some sense. Rather, it's that that semantic expansion is really like not in scripture. So when shepherd is used, it generally has a narrower meaning, either an actual shepherd of sheep or more commonly a leader, usually a spiritual leader, which, yeah. which as you said is where we get the word pastor. So I think I think it's an uphill battle to stretch the semantic ranges of these words so far that they apply to all Christians all of them do while still remaining faithful to what scripture means mm-hmm. by the word. So in my view, you know, these gifts refer to offices that leaders in covenant communities have held throughout redemptive history. So, but there's an, another answer to this problem, I think, in Ephesians 4.11. And this is, this is where I would go. If someone came to me and told me they didn't have the gift of evangelism, this is where I would where I would go, okay. right? So there's a handful of lists of spiritual gifts in Scripture. And when you survey those lists, they include some things that only certain Christians have or do, and other things that are commanded of all Christians. For example, shepherding—you know—as I said earlier—is not something all Christians are commanded to do. Um, but if we look at, let's say, Romans twelve six through eight, mm-hmm. which is another list of spiritual gifts, we find things in that list that are elsewhere encouraged of all believers. So, service is a gift in Romans twelve seven. Giving in Romans twelve eight. Acts of mercy also in twelve eight. And while these are called gifts hmm. in Romans twelve. Do we conclude that some Christians have these gifts and others don't? So, like, in other words, does this mean it's okay for some Christians not to serve, not to give, not to do acts of mercy? Because, well, I just don't have those gifts. We don't draw that conclusion. Now, why not? It's because other passages in Scripture exhort all believers to do these things. I see. So all Christians should serve. We read in Mark 10, uh, whoever would be great among you must be your servant for the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. So also Paul in Galatians 5, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another, right? All Christians should be generous and have some plan for giving. So we read, uh, John writes in 1 John 3:17, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet clothes, cl- closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Likewise Jesus in Matthew ten eight, you received without pay, so give without pay. Jesus also assumes his followers will give to the needy in Matthew six three. And then all Christians should do acts of mercy. So in the parable of the good Samaritan, Jesus asked the lawyer at the end, which one proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer rightly answered, The one who showed mercy. Then that you know the Samaritan who bound up the man's wounds, took care of him, took him to the inn, paid paid the fee for him, He did acts of mercy. And Jesus says, yep, now you go and do likewise. So now come back to the list of gifts in Ephesians 4. There's no text saying that all Christians are shepherds. Mm -hmm. But if you come back to evangelism, the question now becomes, is evangelism elsewhere taught to be expected of all Christians? And the answer is a resounding yes. There is no hint in Scripture that evangelism is just for the elite of the elect or only for those who've been to seminary or only for pastors or whatever. It's just normal, regular, run-of-the-mill Christian behavior. So a few examples. In Acts 1 verse 8, we're Christ's witnesses to the ends of the earth. And that can't just be about capital A apostles there in that moment, since Mm -hmm. they couldn't go to the ends of the earth. We need lowercase a apostles. We're still on that God-given mission. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul tells us that we're given the ministry of reconciliation, that is, between God and human beings. How are God and human beings reconciled? Through gospel proclamation and hearers believing. Peter Mm -hmm. tells us, you said in 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give a defense for the hope that is inside of you. And then after Stephen was stoned in Acts 7, Saul, eventually Paul, kept, you know, ravaging the church, entering houses, dragging men and women off to prison, and the Christians scattered. And those who scattered, Acts 8 verse 4, went about evangelizing. And the ESV translates that as, you know, they went about preaching the word. But that phrase in one word is the Greek that you had referenced earlier, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, euangelizomenoi. So you can hear the root word there, evangelizing. So so all that to say, I think that the reason I don't conclude from Ephesians 4.11 that only some Christians are evangelists is because we want to look at this list of gifts and ask ourselves, is there anything in this list that is that is commanded of all Christians elsewhere? And I think in the case of shepherding, the answer is no. And in the case of evangelism, the answer is yes.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a pretty strong argument. I mean, even even in that that commonly used apologetics verse of First Peter 3:15, if you start in First Peter chapter 3 verse 8, uh, the whole section begins. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. And then he continues, and that's where he ends up getting to verse 15 about setting apart Christ as holy always being ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason of the hope that's in you. So this is a call for all of you need to be able to answer the questions if someone asks you, why do you have hope in this life? And that means your answer should be because of Jesus. So essentially your answer is, the gospel. Yeah. And that's, the gospel.
1: and and none of that, by the way, and I, I know you would agree with this, like none of that means everyone has to go become a, a, a like a, a, street a seminary preacher. student or a street preacher. Yeah, right? that's like, right. it, you know, it could be as simple as I was blind, but now I see, right? Like, yeah. like it, it could just be as simple as like Christ saved me and he can save you too. So yeah. like, I, I guess, you know, I, there's always a danger in some of this to, you know, I, I've, I've met several Christians who will say things like, well, you know, I'm reluctant to evangelize because you know, eternity hangs in the balance. And what if I say something wrong? Oh, what, what if I, I messed up? What if I mess up or, you know, I don't have the kind of training I to be comfortable going and, and doing this. Um, you know, and I would just say, be encouraged. Share the gospel. That could just be as simple as, "Look, you know that you were a sinner, and now you know that you have been saved by grace through faith. This not of your own doing, but because of God working inside of you." And look, everyone. This comes back to Romans one, right? Everyone knows deep down we suppress this truth and unrighteousness. Yeah. we know that we are sinners in need of grace. Yeah. So, and we know who God is. We know that He made us. Like, so I, I think you know preaching the gospel can be really that simple you don't need i'm not disparaging certainly i you know i want all the people who are interested in in formal theological training to to go get it from good <laughs> institutions um but 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 that notwithstanding if you don't have that don't feel like you you can't or you know or that you're not able to you know at the end of the day the lord will be with you as you share the gospel the word goes out and it never returns void It always accomplishes the purpose which God has set for it which,
0: it, which could be the harden in someone's heart it could be they a uh, hostile against it and I, I definitely want people who are listening to be comforted uh, by that as well I mean if you are a Christian so if you've if you've heard the message and you agree with the message of the gospel and you've uh, uh, trusted in Christ then technically you are capable of sharing that same message that you heard to somebody else. It doesn't mean that you can answer every single question that they could possibly give you. And that's, and that's true. And, um, you have to be able to, you know, you have to be able to recognize when you are either in over your head as far as like someone has led the conversation to a, a place that you are not comfortable with. Uh, cause most people in general, when you have a, a difficult conversation about, something like salvation they they want to go to their happy place they want to go to their their comfort place and and so that might that might be an area uh that's not your expertise you know uh, whatever that case whatever that might be whether they're challenging the existence of miracles or how did know if you know fit all the animals in the ark you know standard uh, arguments against christianity that can be a distraction at times from the actual core gospel message and and but but that's okay like if if you don't feel equipped for a particular answer to a question, then just admit it and say, you know, I don't know the answer right now, but let me go do some research or let me get back to you. Can we can we reconvene or talk about it some other time, this particular question? But always trying to bring it back to Jesus. And that's more of apologetic methodology. Yeah,
1: well and and even there, like I think that there's there are at the end of the day, God is true. Let every man be a liar. <laughs> right. There there are answers to all of these kinds of, you know, apologetic questions that can be raised by those in, you know, who are kind of attacking uh, the Christian faith. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I still, I, I do think that, you know, nine times out of 10, those are just smoke screens, yeah. like, and you just blow right through the smoke screen by saying, you know, look, I might not know the answer to that question. It doesn't mean there's not an answer, but let me ask you something. What are you going to do about your sin? period what are you what are you gonna do yeah. because like at the end you're someday you know you will die that is certain and when you die you're going to meet your maker and you will be called to account mm-hmm. for everything that you have said that you have done in your life and you know this to be true what are you going to do about your sin you need an advocate you need someone to stand in the gap you need a mediator who is perfect who can who can atone for
0: and pay the debt who can pay that debt right yeah. so
1: so you know a lot of the a lot of times those kinds of questions I have found are are smoke screens and again it's not to say that they're not worthy of answering you know answer a fool according to his folly lest he be uh, considered wise in his own sight um, it's not to say that they're not worth answering at some point down the line it is to say you know a lot of times are they're smoke screens i think
0: and i think it's important i mean we haven't really talked too much about reformed theology or some what my people call Calvinism. Apologize. Or uh, well, well uh, even the idea of election, right? right? I honestly believe that that the doctrines of grace, reformed theology, the uh, the idea that uh, uh, that that God is completely sovereign o- over salvation, really takes uh, a lot of the it takes a lot of the anxiety and stress off of our shoulders because <clears throat> if we're worried <clears throat> that you know, oh man, I don't want to share the gospel because I might mess up. You know, it, it's all based on my ability to communicate, clearly. Mm-hmm. And if I don't make good, witty arguments, the person is not going to get saved. Well, good news is that salvation comes by the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit that has to regenerate someone. You know, let's take the Ezekiel preaching over the dead bones. Dead bones, yeah. Dead bones. God has to bring them the spiritual life, and, and it's okay. He will use crooked sticks to draw a straight line. If You know, you might be... A crooked stick, you're, you're giving a, a maybe not the best gospel presentation you've ever given in your life, but God can certainly use that in accordance with his purposes. But it also <clears throat> protects against pride, because even if you are a silver-tongued orator, and you are great at, at proclamation, it's still God that has to change a person's heart to cause them to believe the gospel and to be saved. So you can never boast. About your great speaking abilities, Uh, you know, and and look at how many people uh, I've saved, you know, or whatever my words have touched, you know, millions of people. Well, uh, you're an instrument, really, you know. So I think you know, in recognizing that God is sovereign, uh, don't be afraid to share the gospel, even you know, however imperfectly you feel you're doing it, you know, sow the seed in that regard, and let God yield the increase. Uh, He's in control of it. He's he's got it completely under control. So you can be confident. In what you say, but not worried or, or prideful in your own speech. Is
1: I think I, I totally agree. And I think Ezekiel 37, you know, the Valley of Dry Bones <clears throat> passage, is a really great synthesis of many of the points we've been making, you know, because again, go, uh, the, the, when, when What God tells Ezekiel to do is prophesy over mm-hmm. the dry bones. He tells him to speak. Mm-hmm. So it's proclamation that's going out that's from true. what God has told him to do. It's not, you know, hey, you know, Ezekiel, go do some good deeds. And then these— <laughs> To these, the dry bones. To the dry bones. Go polish the dry bones. Polish beard. them, and then and then they're going to come back to life. No, proclaim, tr- proclaim what God has said to proclaim to them. But what God does in that, he uses that, you see, to now bring dead bones back to life. That is a picture of— quite frankly, regeneration. That's a picture of what happens to all of us when when we, because when, each of us, you and me, Eric, like when we first heard the gospel, we were dead, mm-hmm. dead in our trespasses and sins and given newness of life, breathed in the breath of the life of God by gospel proclamation, this truth, this content that the Holy Spirit worked in us to regenerate such that we could latch onto it yeah. by grace through faith yeah. and identify it as true. Yeah. And I I'm, think, you know, like the doctrine of election is a tremendous... Uh, You know, because, you know, I've also heard some people say, you know, along the lines of the role Reformed theology plays in evangelism is, you know, why bother? You know, God has his elect. And, you know, whether you proclaim the gospel or not proclaim the gospel is not going to make a difference. You know, there's a...
0: Except that God ordains the means and the ends. Exactly. He wants you. He's commanded you. And that's the method by which he brings his people into his kingdom is through the proclamation of...
1: Of the word. There's a story of a, a pastor who was serving in a, a really difficult part of the world for a period. Mm-hmm. And um you know, he, he this pastor tells this story. This was he was the son in this case and mm-hmm. his father was the pastor. So, you know, his his father at the time was serving in a really difficult part of the world, was not seeing many conversions, but was, you know, faithfully there preaching the gospel. Yeah. But you know, in other parts of the world, you know, missionaries were going and seeing people converting in droves. And so the son, who was, you know, the pastor sharing the story, you know, the son said um, to his dad, you know, dad, if, if they're getting all these conversions here, Mm -hmm. you know, what do you, you know, why don't you go over there and make something of yourself? Why don't you Mm -hmm. go over there and make something of your ministry? Right. And, and the dad, you know, wheeled on him and said, I stay because I believe God has many people in this place. Mm -hmm. Like that is faithful. So in Acts 18, that's faithfulness, Acts 18 verses nine to 10 and the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. Rightly understood, the mm. doctrine of election is an impetus to evangelism. You know, you think of um, mm-hmm. Samuel's Zwamer, who preached the gospel for 40 years among Muslims in the 19th century. You know, he translated the Bible into Arabic, and during his 40 years of missionary work among Muslims, he saw eight conversions and, and several of those eight whom he saw were killed by their peers for giving their lives to Christ, you know, and, and, uh, you Mm. know, Don Carson was telling the story and he makes the point and he says, you know, look, when the saints go marching in, will Samuel's Wehmer be in the back for his eight converts? And maybe Billy Graham will be at the front for his thousands. Like, I don't, it doesn't work like that, right? Like what, it's not a numbers game. It's not a numbers game. What kept Samuel's Wehmer going through all of that? Jesus is Lord. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So if you think God's work depends on our cleverness or our devices or whatever, we'll, we will be we'll be scared, we'll be disillusioned. And again, it's not saying we shouldn't take care and learn and prepare and practice. You know, Zwaymer did a lot of preparing and practicing. But at the end of the day, if men and women are converted, it's God's doing it. So mm-hmm. in the world today, however much terrorism there may be, or anti-Christian sentiment there may be, you know, whatever it is that's going on in the world that's pressing against the church, nevertheless, God says, Mm -hmm. all power in heaven and on earth have been given to me, so go, right? So. We might have, you know, maybe we're having some hard times culturally. Who cares? Jesus is Lord. He's going to build his church. So go, right? Like all authority has been given to him and he sits at the right hand on high. He is enthroned and he is king now. So go. He has the authority. He already won, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's empowering. And I think that's the connection to, you know, you know, the authority given to Christ. What's the connection to making disciples of all nations? That's it, right? It's the courage that it engenders. Go. So anyway.
0: Yeah, no and and like you said earlier i mean it does not return void and i know people tend to think that means that guaranteed converts but but there's several passages that say no because right, in first corinthians right. 1 uh, verse 18 it says the word of the cross is folly <clears throat> excuse me to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of god so to those who are perishing it's folly it's foolishness right and then later on another passage paul says that their message is a is a is a stench of death mm-hmm to unbelievers. it's a fragrance of death, but a fragrance of life to the believers right so yeah. so there's going to be a reaction um, to to the gospel. I mean there was a reaction when Paul was was preaching in Athens and this is another example of public proclamation. He was in the marketplace seeing all the idols and and in, in the book of Acts and he tells the men of Athens like I see you're very religious and then he goes on and 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 shares information with them and they invite him to their Areopagus, you know, to their place of debating and discussion. And when he's done, they basically cut him off when he mentions resurrection from the dead. But there were three responses. There were those who ridiculed him and said, you know, you're an idiot. There were a couple that said, we have some questions. We'd like to talk to you more about this. And then there were a few that actually believed and, and followed him. And the same thing when Stephen, when he shared his uh, his uh, proclamation, he got stoned for it. I mean, he saw zero converts. Uh, in his, uh, you know, big sermon that he gave and ended up dying for it. So so at the end of the day, yeah, I think you're right, Dylan, is that we shouldn't really get hung up so much on the numbers. I mean, just imagine, you know, when we get to heaven, we can talk to some of the first evangelists to China, you know, Mm -hmm. back in the 1800s or maybe even before that, and they saw very little, very little progress. And now um, I've heard, I've, I've seen statistics in, and read articles that are saying that, uh, you know, there are over 150 million Christians right now in China, and that it's just, it's just growing like crazy. So, so again, God is building His church uh, so, in His so time.
1: The seeds are sown. Yeah. And some seed falls on different kind of soil. Soil. Mm-hmm. And and there's going to be some different results there. You know? Yeah.
0: Any final thoughts, then Dylan, before we before we close up? You know, I I would just say,
1: um, none of this should be taken as licensed to be, you know, uh, jerks for Jesus and kind of, <laughs> you know, beating people over the head with it and, you know, just not not being kind um, in in our proclamation. You know, I, I personally know a number of people who came up in uh, Christian circles, we'll put it that way, and w- they probably were not so, so, there are some christian homes that are a delight and a bl- tremendous blessing to grow up in um but the perversion of that can have awful consequences mm-hmm. and i know some people who were who were brought up in just such contexts that you know were um perhaps not the healthiest christian homes to grow up in and and at times were abusive mm-hmm. um and you know that 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 that's a fine line to walk and you know when you know when you're dealing with such people um you know there's a, there's a, this is really where the deeds part can, can come into play, can come in handy. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're going out and going, doing good deeds, feeding the poor and, and caring for the sick and all of these, it could just be, you know, give them a hug, give them a place to stay when they need a place to stay, you know, give them a cup of cold water in the name of Christ. That's not going to be forgotten. Um, and, and hear them out and listen to them. Um, but I, I think, you know, for as, for as all the kindness that we want to muster and all the love of Christ that we want to show those who have been, who, who have such backgrounds, um, at the end of the day, what it looks like to really love them is to say, you know, I love you. And it's because I love you that I can't not tell you Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, God is who he says he is in Christ. And a day is coming when, um, when you will be judged and and you want to know that you're secure in Christ. And I tell you this because I love you, right? So um, for all of the relationship building and all of the kindness that's to be extended, um, at the end of the day, that needs to be paired with and grounded on uh, proclamation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that, Dylan. And uh, I think that's a it's a good part, good place to, to end on that. Um, so uh, for those of you listening, thank you for, for tuning in. Um, if you have any questions about evangelism sharing the gospel apologetics things like that we'd love to do uh, follow-up discussions on that so please email us at the number two two guys in the bible dot podcast at gmail.com or just go to our our brand new website two guys in the bible dot org, and you can uh, submit a contact form there and again you know same the, URL yeah same URL actually it's the same URL just it's just a nicer looking uh, website and just keep in mind like we love your support. Uh, if you go to patreon.com and you type in two guys in the bible, you can become a monthly supporter for us. We would really appreciate it. But even more important than that, besides your prayers, is just, you know, you know, you know, reviews, thumbs ups things like that. Like that's the currency of social media these days is uh, to get the search engines going, to get the reviews, to get uh, just just more exposure and that's really our goal is just to reach as many people as we can. Uh, in the name of Christ. So, uh, thank you again for listening, and uh, until next time. All right. God, God, God bless. bless. You.